complaining louder than your praising? Is your complaining louder than your praising? Is your complaining louder than your praising? Why is it important for us to praise God? Why is it important for us to keep our complaints to a minimum? What What do our words do? And what do they express, et cetera, et cetera? Well, the Bible says that the just shall live by faith. What does that mean? That means that if you are are born of the Spirit of God, you have been justified in the court of heaven. There's nothing against you anymore. Isn't that wonderful? And if you want to receive everything that God has for you, you want to have a blessed life, you have to live by faith. You have to live by believing God, taking him at his word, and then when a challenge comes to either drop believing God, start complaining, or continue to believe God and just go rejoicing, praising God and thanking him for, you know, you make the right choice. That's what justified people do. Justified people don't have time to complain. We don't have time to sow seed. That's not going to produce for us. We want everything, all of our words to produce. The Bible says life and death are in the power of the tongue. And they who love it eat the fruit thereof. In other words, if you love complaining, you'll eat the fruit of complaining. If you love praising and and speaking the word and using your faith, then you'll eat the fruit of that. And so we have to be careful what we let our words speak what we let our minds conceive, and what we let dwell in our hearts. And so we, we need to find out what volume are we giving to what thing. Now, see, people will get the wrong impression that I'm saying you can't ever complain. Yes, the first thing that goes through people's head. You mean to tell me I can't never say? Well, you need to quite try not to do that if that's not going to be helpful to your situation. Or people use this, they say, well, you know, it's normal. You don't want to be normal. You want to be supernatural. Huh? There's so many normal people out. We got enough normal people out there. We need to have some aliens, man. Some, you know how they make them alien movies. Everybody's on now. It's getting to be Halloween. Everybody's jumped on them crazy movies. Well, we have this curiosity about another form of life. Why? Because we too normal. The life that we live is boring. It's same old, same old. It's not producing what we want it to produce. So there's always this curiosity about what if, what if I could be a supernatural? What if I could be Holly Berry? I mean, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that. What if I- <laughs> I'm saying, <laughs> but you know, we all want to, we all want to jump out of this earth suit and jump in something else. Well, we've done that already because Jesus Christ lives in us, and we're not mere human beings anymore. We're supernatural people. We are justified people. We're people who have no uh, grievances again. There's nothing holding us back anymore because of what Jesus Christ has done. So that right there is something to rejoice about. But we need to understand in our everyday lives how to help our situation and how not to hurt our situation as far as the things that we are asking God for, as far as our needs getting met, and as far as the things that we are desiring from God, uh, be, you know, being able to receive those things. So it, it's just a good thing to understand where God's coming from uh, in these things. Praise God. Matthew, stand up for a minute. Mr. Howard, can you come up here for a sec? Thank you, Jesus. Oh, here's a, a, a come a raise here. Come on up, Ray. You can keep your. Thank you, Lord. The Lord's been showing me some. He's going to help you with something here. Uh, he wants to let you know that he's going to help you to gather together some things that seem to be scattered, some things that seem to be almost trying to get away from you. The Lord's saying, He says. He's got that, so just rest in it. He says, if you'll rest in it, he'll show you he's got it, and he's pulling it together for you and going to bring it back to you. It'll be increased, good measure. No, he said, don't worry about it not doing what you expect it to do. Don't worry about it not increasing. But he says, if you let him, just trust him. Just watch him. Just watch him. 
Watch him and see what he does. He said he's gathering it together for you and he'll bring it to you. So uh, this is a time to take your hands off and just rest and let him employ you and he'll bring it back to you. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Hey, see, prophecy is important. You know, I, I always like to... If God gives me something for somebody, I like to give it to him because, see, that, that keeps him from worrying throughout the sermon. See what I'm saying? It, it's just always, it clears things up for us. Uh, not that I'm saying he's worrying, but sometimes, you know, if you can get the burden lifted and all that stuff, then you can settle down and receive the word a lot better. And, and then I can settle down and, and God quit bugging me about it. See, it's only so far I can go hearing from God and staying on the sermon too. So we thank God for that. Amen. And we believe he's helping him right now. Amen. Praise God. <clears throat> so what happens when we complain? Why is complaining not what we want to do? Why is that not what we want to do? In Job chapter 7, in verse 1, I always, oh, here it is. I'm going ahead of myself here a little too far. Job chapter 7 and verse 1. What does complaining say about us justified people? Now, if the just live by faith, we're supposed to be living by speaking the word of God and understanding what God's saying to us. And in Job chapter 7 verse 11, he says, therefore, I will not refrain my mouth. Oh, my. Come on, now, Job. You, you've been taught better than this. Isn't that sometimes the way we feel? You know, I'm not, I got a right to complain. You don't know what I go through. Living in that house with all in, in-laws and outlaws, and malefactors and ne'er-do-wells, miscreants, misbehaving. Mississippi, Mr. all the misses leaving living in my house, mistake. He says, I will not refrain my mouth. I will speak in the anguish of my spirit. You say, I got a right to complain. We feel that way sometime when you read about Job. You see what happens. But what happened to Job happened in a short span of time. If you take the life of the everyday believer, we all suffer about the same amount. But it's spread out a little bit more. When it's concentrated, it always looks worse. But God will see us through any of it. And he says, in the anguish of my spirit, I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. So complaining is a sign of bitterness in one's soul. Amen. And when you have bitter waters, what do you want to do? You want to throw the branch in and make them sweet. Isn't that right? Isn't that what happened with the children of Israel in the wilderness? They couldn't drink of that water. What they call bitter means poisoned. So it, there's a poison content in bitterness as well. So you don't want your life to be poisoned by your words, by your thoughts. You don't want your life to. You, that's why you don't want to complain. You don't want to be like Job and have a right to complain and a right to suffer and carry it on. In Jude 1.16, he talks about murmurers and complainers who walk after their own lusts. So these were people in, in the book of Jude, it talks about some people who withstood Moses and they were adamant against the word of God. There's only one chapter in Jude, so it was easy to miss. Huh? Kinda, yeah. In Jude, verse 16, he says, these are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts and their mouth speaks great swelling words having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. And so here you see a prideful person complaining, murmuring. Why? Because he can't have what his soul is craving or his carnal man is craving. So oftentimes our complaint is because we are craving the wrong thing. And so when you understand what God's trying to do in getting you out of complaining, and over into praising him and over into lifting him up and bringing joy back into your life and that kind of thing, you'll understand that God is trying to get you out of your carnal frame 
and out of your lusts and things that won't profit you and get you over into the realm of the spirit where he can help you. Amen. So there's no complaining in the spirit. And the further you go in there, the worse it's going to be for you. Number, numbers 11.1 one tells us that complaining displeases God. You don't want to displease God. You want, if anything, to find out how to please him more. Numbers chapter 11. And this is the children of Israel. And they're probably our best example of the good and the bad that was done as far as the people of God are concerned. Numbers 11 verse 1. And when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. And the Lord heard it. So God hears our complaints, but let me tell you, he's not moved in the right direction by our complaining. He is not moved in the right direction. He is faith pleases him. So faith moves him in the right direction and complaining displeases him because there's no faith on it. His anger was kindled and the fire of the Lord burnt among them and consumed them that were in the uttermost parts of the camp. And so God in the Old Testament would rather destroy people than to hear them complain. You know, complaining does. Complaining is somewhat contagious. There's a spirit on complaining that when it drops on other ears, it's the same thing as laughter. It has about the same volume and power in the realm of the spirit. The complaint does. Why? Because a complaint usually comes with some type of authority, some type of decision, some kind of, it's like putting the gavel down. There's like a final judgment in a complaint. I judge this situation is not good and I'm mad about it. And it's, there's a decree made there. And so it's easy to pull people in when you start making Decrees like that and complain. Look at how fast people gather around to protest something. Now most of them people, you can't get them up early to go to a job. You can't get them to go to, to church. You can't get them to do. But you say, oh, we're going to go down there and protest. Oh, I'm, 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 I'm on it. I'm on it. I got my signs already. You know. There's some of them old uh, hippies from the 60s. They keep their signs in the closet. You know, as you shake them out. I got, what you say we doing out? Let me, I know I got one of them because I remember back in 72. We, Got the tie-dye clothes and everything, and the, the rag around their head. You know, the, the hair is thin on the top, but they got that little ponytail back there. They're going to go out and complain. Y'all know the type. Tell me you don't know what I'm talking about. But anyway, how'd I get over there? But see, there's, <laughs> there's power in the complaint. Because the person complaining has made a decision about something. See? Indecision has very little power in it. If you can't decide what you think about something, you won't get many followers. But the minute you make a decision in the realm of the spirit, the power is increased and you're able to pull spiritual forces. You're able to pull souls towards you. You're maybe, like if I tell you, Jesus is the only way to heaven. You know, see the effect? Because that's a definitive statement, let alone true. When it's true, the anointing follows. It makes it more powerful. But see, if you make a statement like that, and there's always forces that will work against you and try to argue with you about it because of the power behind it. You got me? So whenever you make a decision and you make a decree and you make a statement behind it, forces of power gain. And so uh, stating the word in the realm of the spirit in a definitive way has Power and complaining has an opposite power in the realm of the spirit. They do pretty much the same thing. So they kind of have equal weight in the realm of the spirit, except for the fact that when God's word is spoken, it settles things. Boom. Breaks the power of the complaint. You got me? So God's word is the alpha and omega of all things. It starts and it ends everything. So when a complaint comes in, that's how you can sit up and whine and cry all day. And then Pastor Shirley call you and say, well, God just told me to call you and pray with you. How'd you know? I, 
you know, face toe up from the floor up and told everybody in the house, just clean the house out. Everybody's scared of you by now. You can complain so much and cried so much. Huh? How'd you know? Well, pretty much the movement over there, everybody ran out the house and, you know, God says you need help. And that word that's spoken to you in the midst of your complaint, in the midst of your trouble, tends to settle everything out. Amen. You believe it. You don't argue anymore. Now, trust me, there's some professional complainers around. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But see, but see, but see, but see. And, and you know what? You see, you don't understand. You don't know what you don't know what I go through. And I don't need to know what you go through. All I need to know is the word of God, because I know what you go through will be stopped by the word of God if you'll believe it. You understand me? So we don't need to know everybody's business, what we go through, and gotta have. See, you you ain't got no experience with this. Like your problem is so special, you know. The Bible says there's nothing come to you that's not common to man. These are common problems. See, the devil wants you to think you special is uncommon. You going through such, oh, you don't know what, see? See, I told you. Listen to him talking. It's what I go through every day. Listen to him. I hear normal. See, complaining here is extraordinary. Can't be helped. There's nothing here that's, you know, nobody goes through this but you. Huh? Yeah. Somebody's putting something on you. Right. Huh? And don't get to me talking about the root workers and the hexers and all these other people that you're scared of. Amen? But God's word. So is your complaining louder than your praising? That's what you need to find out. So what is volume? What's volume in the spirit? Huh? What is volume in the spirit? Volume, the volume of your words is affected by several things. Number one, the amount of faith behind what you say affects the volume. Faith is both seen and heard in the realm of the spirit. So faith, because there's action behind it, is both seen and heard. And that's why when you use your faith, your words can get very, very large sometimes. They can kind of overwhelm your own thoughts. So that when somebody comes to you and tries to minister to the word to you in the middle of your complaining, it's almost like you can't hear them because you can almost overtalk them. But see, you don't, but, 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 but. And see, people are trying to come to you with the word and try to come to you because you've turned up the volume so loud on your complaint that you can't hear anything different anymore. You understand what I'm saying? And this is why many times people may have to pray for you and take authority over whatever spirit is causing your hearing not to be normal. You got me? In order for you to come, from them to come through and get the word into you. Some people need deliverance before they can receive the word of God. It's just the way it is. So that's just how damaging complaining can be to the outcome of your situation. So you have to learn how to turn the volume down yourself. Have you ever done something like this? You'll sit there and you'll just say all kind of stuff. You say, okay, I'm done with that. Yeah. See, you learn how to govern yourself and know I've gone to, I'm going to stop this. I, no, no, I can't say that no more. Because yeah. see, it starts to get real to you. And you know at a certain point, if you cross that line, huh? Somebody be calling 911, Child Protective Services, you know, all in emergency. You know if what, you all know what I'm talking about. See, and if you go beyond that, you know that's a danger point. Well, it starts with a complaint. What you're doing is putting complaint out into the atmosphere. So faith uh, affects the volume of your complaint. Because faith is an action, it gives your words more volume. Works give words more volume. When my mother was tired of us, you know how girls are, we giggle a lot. And mama was a girl, but she was a grown girl. <laughs> she knew after a while, you stop that. If y'all don't stop that, you know, she's real mild from it. And then all of a sudden, she'll slam something down. Volume. See, she increased the volume of her words in the realm of the spirit. 
And that way, you said, oh, oh, she really mad. I thought she was just, you know, nah, she mad for real. And so we got to stop. And so any action that you add to your words adds volume to that. It, faith uh, is increased with volume. The other thing that volume is affected by is sincerity. How sincere are you about it? Most people are pretty sincere when they speak. Now, once you find out the effect that your words have on other people, that's when you, I'm just kidding. Huh? You ever say that to try and clean it up? Because it came across to that individual as sincere, and they felt it was sincere, and when you saw their reaction, you realized you went too far. You said, I'm just kidding. I didn't mean that. You know? Or if you're honest, you say, you know what? I shouldn't have said that. I, I really wasn't thinking or something like that. And so we know how to adjust the effect of our words once they come out and they're not getting the desired result that, they, that we want. But I'm going to tell you how to get the desired of the result before you step out there and say the wrong thing. You got me? That's what believers need to know. We need to know how to send words out that will bring back exactly what we need. So sincerity and fervor. The Bible says the effectual fervent prayer or words of the righteous man avails much. So the volume increases. Fervor, sincerity, avail much. The frequency with which you speak increases the volume. You ever know some people just can go on a tear? I mean, they complain from morning till night. They didn't wore your number out. You know, they got a lot of certain people on speed dial. They know you'll sit and listen to them. And so you find, you wear that one out and you go to the next one. Well, I, you know, I know this is, I didn't said this before. But I just want to tell you one more time what they, huh? Right. Frequency. So many cycles per second. You know, say the speed of sound, they say, travels at so many cycles. Well, how many cycles per second can you complain about? Huh? Well, girl, you don't know. Now, see, this is different. Now, let me tell you what he did today. Oh, okay. I thought we talked about No, that's what he did the other day. That's it. See, that's all that. He did that the other day. But let me tell you, he done something different now. Huh? So, frequency... With which you now see everybody done been there, huh? The saved, the unsaved, the married, the unmarried, we done all been there, huh? Running somebody down because of some complaint that we have against them. And so when you start your complaining cycle, that means that you have made a decision about that thing, and God wants to change that decision for you. Intelligence and reason also affect the volume of your complaint. Some people complain they want to gather evidence against somebody. You ever, you ever see, you know, really what you're doing is you're taking them through a court process in your mind and you don't even realize it. The Bible says judge not lest you be judged. Amen? And so what we're doing is we're judging. Say Bubba's a half hour late. I told him don't be late no more. He told me to cook. You should be cooking every day, darling. Amen. That was free. He shouldn't have to tell you to do nothing. you a grown woman. You ought to know what to do. You understand what I'm saying? You know, <laughs> let me get off that. <laughs> some of y'all ain't even, I, you know, something that is, what you talking about? You ought to know what to do. All I'm saying is, if the brother had to make a request, you already in trouble. You understand what I'm saying? You acting out the complaint by making him have to ask for his dinner. Selah. I mean, I'm going to stand here until you receive it or tell me to sit out. I don't care which one. I'll preach to myself. Huh? He laid again. Well, if, according to your track record, your rap sheet on the dinner, the dinner menu tip, the brother ain't expecting nothing, so why would he come home on time? And all the men say amen. 
married, unmarried, I don't care what condition, you better say amen. God will send some help for you one day, you say amen. You say amen in faith today, he'll send some help for you one day. Amen. <laughs> but intelligence and reason affect your, the volume of your complaint. If you can list 10 things he did wrong and recite them perfectly, that increases the volume. Now, I said 10. For some of y'all, that's going to mean you got to stop. You don't even have to think hard at 10. You rattle them off so fast. And from the day you was married and he didn't carry you over the threshold. With, that's a whole nother different story. <laughs> <laughs> That's why in the old country they jumped the broom. They just, you had to carry nobody nowhere. You just jump over yourself. But anyway, the more you add to it, in other words, that increases the volume. See, you're, 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 you're intellectualizing what they've done and increasing the amount of wrong. You're trying to get some weight on your, some power on your side in the spirit. You're trying to make your complaint justified in the court of God. But the Bible says, what do you have to do? Do you love people? You got to forgive people? But see, you, but see, but see, but see. No, you got to do what the word says. Now, when you forgive the brother, then you can come back and we'll talk about this again. Huh? Indian people, you never see them no more. You know, say, well, why don't you, why don't you think about this? Go home and forgive him and come back and we'll talk. Huh? Well, then they go home and talk to about 10 more girlfriends, and they don't need to come to the preacher and talk no more. You know what I'm saying? They've done what they wanted to do. I don't know what I mean. Now, who hears your complaint? Why is it important what you say? Who hears it? Complaining, the Bible says, when God hears complaining, he's ready for judging. But if he hears complaining under the Old Testament, I'm under, under the New Testament, there's a mercy and a peace clause in our covenant. And so God moves then with conviction of the Holy Spirit on your heart to get you to cease your complaining. In other words, repent, stop what you're doing, and then you can enter into his mercy and then his grace that he will give you by believing. You know what, God? I'm sorry. I shouldn't go on like this. You've been too good for me to, for me to sit up and carry on like this. And I know you'll be good to me again even in this situation. You understand what I'm saying? And so God gives us chance upon chance upon chance to come back into our covenant so that he can bless us. And so when we complain, amen, when we are able to cease our complaining, that's why he'll have some saint that you don't want to call. See, the, when you're in the midst of complaining, you see somebody's Number in the call. Everybody got caller ID, so don't tell me you. I didn't know who that was. Yeah, I didn't know you was on there. I had to answer the phone. You got caller ID, and you know you do. But see, you want to hear from them people that'll let you complain and join in with you to complain. See, there's some sisters that's hard on the divorce track. You ever notice they'll tell you to leave your man, and they won't leave theirs? Hypocrites. Stand a hypocrite. You understand what I'm saying? But see, there are some people who are weak like that in their souls, and they won't pull up and try to counsel you and tell you to believe God and to forgive that person, etc., etc. And so you don't want those. Well, you don't want to hear from somebody who's going to help you get back into the realm of God, where you can get help. Because in the midst of your complaining, you want somebody to agree with you. You don't want to hear. You know, sometimes you'll tell people, well, God can change it. I know he can do that. I know he can do that. But right now I need you to shut up so I can just <laughs> blow your ears off. Because, see, you ain't heard this before. Always telling me I done told you that. You ain't heard this before. <laughs> I'm going to have to stop that. Because if y'all don't, don't receive it, that's just don't receive it. But you know what I'm talking about. Amen. <laughs> the other person who hears your complaint is your ex-daddy. Your ex-father. Huh? The devil, he walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. 
And he can take those complaints to the throne room of God because he has access there as a God of this world. And he'll say, well, like he did with Job, <laughs> does he serve you for nothing? Huh? Look at how they complain. I told you they wasn't going to do nothing. I told you. If you, took, if you made her cook chicken three nights in a, no, three nights in a month, she was going to cuss her husband out and threaten to leave him. Look at her, God. Got her lips stuck out. And she the worship leader in the church. Hmm? So was Satan. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. If you don't remember anything, remember that complaining is remaining. Complaining is remaining. The Bible says the children of Israel murmured and complained in their tents. What does the word murmuring mean? The word murmur really means to be left behind. So your complaining will merit you being left behind in your circumstance that you're complaining about. It also means to tarry. To abide all night. Mm -hmm. That means that complaining spirit, when you can't sleep or your sleep is broken or you tend to worry, check back and track your words. What have you been using your words for? When you complain, it remains on you all night. Huh? It means to stay overnight, to be obstinate, rock solid, immovable. So you can say complaining, the words of complaining, make it solid like a rock. So you've got to have a bigger rock to come and move that out of the way. You got me? Thank God for the bigger rock. But why waste your time uprooting complaints in your life instead of speaking what God wants you to speak to begin with? Amen. And so complaining does that in our situations. What is a complaint? A complaint really is a set of facts set in a formal legal document. So complaining has formal legal status in the realm of the spirit. It's an issue that you have against someone. It's an issue that you have towards something. And complaints eventually are against God if you don't get what your flesh is telling you you're supposed to have. God eventually has to judge on your complaint and decide what he's going to do about it. Many times your situation will not change and it will begin to deteriorate if that complaint is not resolved. How do you resolve complaints in the realm of the spirit? Through forgiveness. That's the only court that we have to go through in things. It's the court of forgiveness. Huh? Oh, I didn't know it was going to set me off like that. That brother telling me I need to go in the kitchen and do something. Well, it did. Huh? So you forgive. The complaint is resolved. The issue is resolved. God wipes the slate clean in the realm of the spirit. And praise God for that. Because if you had to go and try to plant the word and the promise of God on top of the rock of a complaint, you'd be in bad shape. The nation of Israel complained so much, they made the mountain that they were trying to conquer bigger than it ever was. Complaint magnifies what it is that you're looking at. They found that, that they could take the mountain, the mountain was flowing with milk and honey, and that they could have gone in at any time. But their complaining took them around in circles. That what it, that's what it means to tarry and to be there all night long. So if you don't want your situation to get better, keep complaining about it. But if you want it to get resolved, cease your complaint and start entering into the realm of the Spirit of God. But I'm telling you, a lot of these issues that we have, folks, will never be resolved until we learn how to forgive. That's the Christian's main tool 
to get things done in this earth. It's the power of forgiveness. It's got tremendous power. You don't have to worry about somebody getting what's coming to them. You understand what I'm saying? Because somebody is looking for you to get what's coming to you too. You, see? And so we don't want anything like that happening to us. So we have to extend that to somebody else first. Before we can get cleansed and get whole and get the things that we need from God. Before your faith will work, you've got to walk in clarity as far as the things of the Spirit are concerned. And that's why you need to pick up praise when you, when you find yourself in a place of complaining. Well, I just know I just can't flip around like that. Oh, yeah, you're going to flip all right. Huh? I'd rather flip than flop any day. And see, complaining is nothing but, uh, complaining is a sign of somebody who's defeated, somebody who's given up already, somebody who has made a decision that I can't do this, it's never going to happen for me, so I'm just going to do whatever. The, the only thing I can do is talk negative about it and tell everybody how bad my situation is through complaining. And that's all complaint ever does. But you can praise God. You can release the life of God over your situation in your praise. And so what does praise actually do? In Psalms 92, if you go there, 92 verse 1. The Bible says it's a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord. And to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High. To show forth your loving kindness. So when you give thanks to the Lord, that shows forth his loving kindness. In other words, you start giving proof of the loving kindness of God. And that proof starts to permeate your atmosphere. The first thing that praise does is it invokes the power of God. That's how we get God to come to us, that's how we get him to favor us. That's how we get him to work for us. And why do you want that? You want God to work for you because God is the highest power in the universe. You want the biggest, the baddest, the most powerful. You want that working for you. Amen? You know, when I was a kid, I, I, everybody had an older brother. You know, I, we didn't have brothers. We had all girls. So what girls have to do is they have, like Chuck said, double-team somebody. Huh? But you know if somebody was messing with you at school or trying to push you around or something, you had to get something bigger and better. And that's what you want when you have your prayers out there. That's what you want in your life. You want the greatest power in the universe working on your behalf. And so we have to call on God. And that's how you call him is through praise. In Psalms 100, in verse 4, it says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Now let me tell you why you have to enter into the gates of God. Because the natural life, the life of complaining, even if you don't complain, God's power is shut off and his presence is shut off to everybody until we enter in with thanksgiving. Now God can move sovereignly and come and visit somebody. But you want these things to happen when you desire, when you have a need. You want access so that you can go in and receive the things that you need from God. And so the way to get that key in the door is with thanksgiving in your heart. You can't go in there with a complaint in your heart. You can't go in there grudgingly. You can't go in there, uh, you know, just telling God how bad everything is. Amen. When Job was on his sickbed, and we all feel sorry for Job because of the misfortune that hit his life all at one time. When Job was full of boils and the boils got sore and scabbed and ran and all that kind of stuff, some people say he had leprosy which was starting to, leprosy eventually will eat away your limbs and stuff like that. And so there he was on his sickbed, and he was whining and complaining, and Job told him, he said, get up out the bed. He said, put on some clothes, array yourself like a man. Don't come to me whining and begging. I got a covenant with you. You come to me worshiping me. You come to me in a way where you know you can get a hold of me. You don't come to me complaining and telling me how bad things are. 
Now, if he can say that to a man who's suffering with boils all over his body and all his kids and drop dead and his wife talking crazy. Huh? She told him, she said, why don't you curse God and die? In other words, so I can cash your insurance policy. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, girlfriend. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, ain't getting no better once you're sitting up here. <laughs> and get it over. Huh? <laughs> Woo! That's why worse than a girlfriend going to see somebody in a hospice. Oh, that was free. I'll grow up. <laughs> we got more of that going around now. Man, get a uh, midlife crisis. Leave your wife of 24, 25, 30 years. Go get your girlfriend to live in. She stick you in a hospice and go start spending your money. It's a thought. It's a thought. For all you rolling stones. Wherever he took his hat. <laughs> right. That's what happens to that. And then that was three fruit free things I gave you. Huh? Praise the Lord. Where was I? <laughs> That's right. That's why I wasn't complaining, was I? Oops, my bad. Enter his gates with thanksgiving in your heart. Why? Because that's what God looks at. You can't fool him. Huh? Anybody can shout and dance. and You know, some people tear up the church shouting and dancing and then tear up their house when they get home, cussing everybody out. Huh? It's the truth. So you can't fool God. He wants you to enter in with thanksgiving in your heart and enter his courts with praise. When you come in that way, then you're able to get the, the presence of God, the power of God, all of those things will be able to work for you. And it says, and be thankful to him and bless his name. He said, for the Lord is good, his mercy endures forever. And that's what you need to understand. There isn't anything that you can't make a comeback from. Because you serve a merciful God. He's merciful above all things. Huh? I don't care how much you mess up, how much you complain, how much you talk about the saints and drag them down, all that stuff, you still serve a merciful God. And no, he doesn't condone it. And yeah, he wants you to act better. But if you don't, you have an advocate with the Father. Huh? Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And so he's good and his mercy endures forever and his truth endures through all generations. Right now, this generation is trying to call good evil and evil good. See, now all the Christians, we used to be nice people until we started speaking up the truth when we saw people in sin. Now we're haters because we won't tell. Now, I don't care how many homosexuals get told that they can get married and what they're doing is okay. Remember Lot's wife? The lesbian. <laughs> the city was being destroyed. And she had an I know <laughs> like that, didn't you? She had an opportunity to escape with her husband and her children. And what did she do? She looked back. You know what looking back does? The Bible says you're not fit for the kingdom if you look back. She turned into a pillar of salt. Why? Because she liked that life. She didn't want a normal husband and, and children anymore. She liked that gay life. And see, that's what's going on in the world today. Christians are being intimidated by worldly people to back down and say that homosexuality is okay. So they're calling good evil and evil good. Huh? I don't care how many people Oprah gets to say gays are okay and, and it's not sin anymore. The wages of sin is still death. Yeah. <laughs> Oprah ain't God. She, she don't have a heaven to put you in or a hell to send you to. So you're going to have to deal with God one way or the other. So you might as well get your truth up front. You know, like take your medicine. Everybody's got experience with that. Huh? See, the kids today, they, they got it good. Their medicine tastes good. 
back in the day when your parents gave you castor oil and black drab and <laughs> you know you held your nose again you still it is still smell bad you got me and you smell bad but you got healed you got healed huh? you got healed your suffering was alleviated and that's all people in the world need to do today it's take your medicine take it straight the way it comes out of the bible don't try to fix it up and don't try to change it huh? so what does praise do Bible says, enter his gates with thanksgiving in our hearts and our courts in praise. Praise invokes the power of God. The word invoke means to call something to you, call your, something toward you. So praise calls God toward you. Huh? Oh, that don't sound right. Why would God? Go? Because he, you want him near. You want him near. And he will come and you want him in your situation. Because God, when he comes in, his presence comes with the might and the power of the Holy Ghost. And you need the Holy Spirit there. Number one, you need him to help your thinking. You need him to help your mind. You need him to break you out of your complaint, out of your discouragement, out of your, I can't do this anymore. How many times have we said that we still here? Huh? Well, you can do it some more. The quicker you, quicker you learn that you can do it some more and get to doing it, the faster your situation will reverse. Remember the word murmur means to stay there all night. Huh? It makes it last longer. The trial makes it last longer. Some people make a trophy out of a trial if you let them. You understand, you understand what I'm saying? They think they're special because they're going through something. For me, the operative word is through. You got me? I want through it. I want it over with. I want to get into my joy. I want to get into my rejoicing again. Joy is a spirit that's very, very um, powerful in the realm of the Holy Spirit. You know, there are nine fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, righteousness, gentleness, temperance, um, uh, faithfulness and faith, long-suffering, patience. All of those, the Bible says there's no law against that. See, there's no complaint against the fruit of the Spirit. There's nothing that can stop the fruit of the Spirit once it's in your life. But joy is an overcomer's spirit. It's an overcoming fruit. Because the Bible says he who sits in the heavens laughs at the devil. He laughs at the problems that come on the earth. Why? Because he knows they're of a short duration. Anything this earth produces is temporal or temporary. It's not going to last forever. We keep it going because of our attitude and our words toward it. When Israel was supposed to be coming out of Egypt, they began to worship the mountain by talking about how big it was. And that made that mountain bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. The mountain was where all their land was, where their inheritance was. Why do you think God put it on a mountain? Why wouldn't he put it just out there so you could go get it? If you could just go get it, you don't need God. Huh? If you can just go get it, you don't need God. See, God's smart. He knows if he ever tell, told anybody what day Jesus is coming back to this earth, we'd probably live like hell until he got here. And go get the road, you know, go do that real quick. You'll shake your fire insurance policy out. Huh? It's the truth. No, it's the truth. God's smart. That's why he don't tell nobody all his business. Look at what happened at the Tower of Babel. People want to go up to heaven and take it over. They still want to do that. In Hebrews 12, let me show you that. The power of joy. If you can laugh at most of what you complain about, or if you can laugh at most of what upsets you, if you can laugh at your husband or your wife, that thing that they do that drives you, that triggers that thing in you, that makes you go off, 
if you can substitute laughter and joy for that. I mean, true spiritual joy. Hebrews 12, verse 2. Verse 1, wherefore seeing we are compassed about by so great a cloud of witnesses. When you begin to praise God, you begin to get spiritual help. Because the atmosphere is supported by witnesses who have endured this life on this earth. You got me? You receive all of the help that heaven has to give you. He said, let us lay aside every weight. And the sin which so easily besets us, I think Pastor Shirley preached on this last week, didn't you? Talk to, her, talk to you about getting rid of the weight. And let us run this race with patience, the race that is set before us, looking where? Unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. So you look to him as your example. And it says this, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now set at the right hand of the Father on high. So the two, two words you want to underline is joy and endurance. Joy causes you to endure without complaining. Joy causes you to endure without feeling like you're suffering, without getting depressed about your situation. Complaining will often make you stay there much longer than you need to stay there. Joy will cause a reversal in not too long a period of time. Or joy will put you in a place where you could care less about how much time it's taking for something to reverse for you. You got me? Because joy puts you back in the realm of God where your faith works. And if you will repent, if you will tell God, Lord, you know what? I went off again. I took that devil seriously again. He got me again. He got me stuck complaining. He got me stuck being upset about things. He got me stuck feeling like my children will never serve you. Or my relatives will never serve you. Or, you know, my church won't come alive again or something like that. Whatever you're believing God for. You can't get stuck in a rut believing that that thing, if it's not lining up with God's word, will never reverse. And see, if you will begin to praise God and pick up the joy of the Lord, which the Bible says is your strength. It's an overcoming. That joy, the joy, the volume that joy puts on your words once you pick up the joy of the Lord will totally annihilate any words of complaint you've ever had. They'll remove them from your soul. Where your soul, you know how you have this complain hangover? Yes. It's hard to get out of it. You know, you try to shake it off a little bit. I'm going to think a happy thought. <laughs> huh? And that complaint takes that happy thought and steps on it and chokes it to death. Ain't no life in no happy thought. You need something from God. You need the joy of the Lord to come in there and overtake that situation. And real, joy reassures you that God is with you. See? You know he's with you, but you need, an, you need a reassurance. You need a peace, a confidence that will settle in on you. And joy will do that. And it causes the devil to hang his head in shame and go in the other direction. Know how I know that? The Bible says that Jesus spoiled principalities and powers. And made an open show of them. So he put the shame on the devil for trying to kill him. And the devil looked up three days later and Jesus was back alive with more power and more glory than he had ever had while he was living. The word of God says that if the princes of this world had known what they were doing, they would never have crucified Jesus. Huh? Because you know what happened? You and I got born again. Because so when, when he took one, he released the whole world to get saved and have that same spirit dwelling in us. That overcoming spirit. Huh? See, in life you'll have a lot of things come against you. Especially if you're trying to live holy. The Bible says if you're going to live godly in this world, you're going to have some trouble. The things that Christians go through, listen honey, People are killing themselves, jumping off buildings, all kind of crazy stuff over minor things. Think, the things that we go through, they, you know, come on now. 
they be jumping off taking 15 people with them. But see, we can overcome, we can go through it, we can go through it with an indignity. Huh? You can go put on your nice clothes, you've been through the fire all week, and you, I smell like Sam Sarah, I don't smell like smoke. You know, there's no trace of what you've been through, unless you complain. We're going to kill complaining today, man. We're going to kill it, because it deserves to die. Complaining deserves to die a very brutal death at the hands of the believer. Because it kills your dream, it kills your answer, it totally delays your answer. People complain so much, some of them, they start believing their own complaints. See, complaining has a ministry to your soul that you don't want to let have happen to you. Huh? Because you can be deceived by staying in the wrong frame of mind for too long. You know, I've seen it happen to people. You'll see people, they were worshiping God, working hard for God, and you look and see they seat in church and it's empty. For a long time. It ain't just, you know, my family came in, I had to cook. Which, you know, most people, y'all run the church when the family, you know, keep that, get away from that cooking. <laughs> Unless you can boil some hot dogs. <laughs> you know, we all got, we got family, we got family. Now, we got, I got boiled a hot dog type family. You know, they don't mind if we want a little snack or something like that. But if you got family, you got to go cook something and put some labor in. Amen. 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 <laughs> Praise God. But joy will cause you to overcome everything that comes against you. There is nothing that can overtake you. There is nothing that can stop the promise of God from happening for you if you will keep his presence near and feed off of joy and feed off of uh, energy of God and feed off of faith and the life of God and keep complaining far from you. You don't want to be a person that winds up deceived. You don't want to give up everything that you've worked hard for in God just because you get to one thing in your life and you, it seems like that's a, make, that's a deal breaker between you and God. There are no deal breakers. You know, people used to call it the biggie. But I've had so many biggies in my life, I'm telling you, they're small now. Because if, amen. Because you can't put anything that you desire on such a high pedestal that you'll sacrifice your life in God for it. Amen. You know how you go and pout and, you know, people pout and it's, the mental hospitals are full of people that are angry and disgruntled and they're just in a tantrum, don't want to eat no more, can't sleep and all that kind of stuff. Why? Because they can't have what they want, what they're craving. And see, that nonsense will run you crazy if you let it. But child of God, you don't let, have to let it happen to you. Because you can keep the presence of God near. You can keep faith strong in you. Meditate on the word. If you find yourself getting upset about something, go find your favorite scripture that used to always put you right. You know, go find that one again. You know, go take your Bible out. Get, get them old tracks out. I remember the Copelands were saying that they used to, when they first started their ministry, they had been to Brother Hagen's. Uh, meetings. I think they went to Raymond. They went to ORU, if I'm not mistaken. But they always would go to each other's meetings. They went to Brother Hagen's meetings and they had copied his tapes on a reel-to-reel tape. Can't even find anything hardly to play it on anymore. And they said they had gotten into debt in the ministry and the debt didn't seem to move. And God reminded them of how they started from nothing. And what did we do to get us into faith so we could get started? Go back and do the same thing that worked for you way back when. They get them reel-to-reel tapes out and start listening to them. And pretty soon their faith is right back there again. Pretty soon they're laughing at the debt. Pretty soon they're able to conquer that debt. Why? Because the joy of the Lord becomes their strength. The power of God starts to permeate the atmosphere when there's joy around. When there's joy, there's his presence, and in his presence is fullness of joy. There's a filling that joy will do to you in your heart and your mind that you can't get any other way. You can't get it. 
You know, don't be a sourpuss Christian. Don't be somebody looking serious. Or, well, you know, God, he don't play. You, you don't even. I don't want to play with you. Well, lemon juice. It's your lemon juice smile. You know, learn how. <laughs> you know, you're scared from to kiss you. You know, you kiss them like, hmm? Like a makeup kiss, you know, and you got that much on, you know what I'm saying? saying? And so you have to be, and you don't want to associate with people. I can tell you, people who don't have joy, people who have joy will draw people to them. People who don't have it, it's like, and you know, sometimes you look at people when they got that on them, you say, man, that's a lot of work. I don't feel like working that hard today. (laughs) Go on up there. So you go like, go to your seat. I kissed him, Pastor. I know you did. (laughs) Praise God. Praise God. So what are we going to do, folks? We're going to be joyful. We're going to quit complaining. Because complaining won't do it. Complaining won't get it. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, that our praising will be louder than our complaining. We thank you, Father, that praise is what we do. It is. We, we turn to you in times of need. And we don't have to feel like anything. This is Bible instruction. That we enter your th- gates with thanksgiving, your courts with praise, and lift up your name because you're good. And if we want good to happen for us, we need to put you on the scene because you're good. And you bring goodness with you at all times. So, Lord, we thank you for the ability and the desire to praise you and to lift you up. In Jesus' name, praise God. You know, I think what we need to do is make a... Amen, praise God. Why don't we make a declaration? There's some things that are going on in all of our lives. You know, some mountain things. They don't move real quick. And you need mountain-moving faith to move it, and you exercise your faith as best you can. But if your soul gets weary, you feel like you just can't move it anymore. And so what we're going to do today is speak to the mountain, whatever it is. You're going to talk to it, and you're going to tell it to move. You know what your mountain is, and you see it in your mind, and you know what you want to tell it. And so we're going to command our mountains to move. And then we're going to end by praising God and thanking him for what he's done in our midst today, what he's going to do in tomorrow, starting tomorrow, starting when we get out of here. Don't expect the devil to jump on you when you get out of here. We'll put him off limits because he's not allowed to do that to a child of God. But we're going to thank God for his goodness and what he's done. Amen. So you got some music for me? What you got, little Howard? Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you for being our God, our maker, and our creator. We thank you, Lord, that you are good and your mercy endures forever. Why don't you repeat after me? Praise the Lord because he's good and his mercy endures forever. His mercy endures forever. His mercy endures forever. Why don't you stand to your feet and we're going to talk to your mountain. Now mountain, I talk to you. And you fill in the blank. If it's discouragement, if it's a, a natural occurrence, if it's debt, if it's poverty, lack of job, lack of opportunity, lack of prosperity. You talk to that mountain. Say mountain, get out of my way. In the name of Jesus. You can't hinder me me because I have the faith faith of the Son of God. God. And I command you to move and and fall into the sea sea. and never bother me again. And And I will not worship you you by complaining about you, you, by murmuring about you, And by talking about you. You and me are through. And I don't love you. And I won't embrace you anymore. And right now, Father, I embrace the joy of the Lord. 
and I embrace praise in my heart. And I thank you that you're working for me now to bring me what I need. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord.